0: Happy birthday to... No, I'm <laughs> Thank you very much. That is very, very appreciated. Just to have all you guys singing to me. Um, so tomorrow night, yeah, we're going to talk about Teach Me to Number My Days. Our last name is Day, so that fits very well. So we, we uh, started out with two days, and then we added three more days, and then we added... So that was seven days. Yeah, that's three. Two plus three. So there was seven of us. So I would tell people, seven days makes one week. Oh, dear. Then we had a Mariah, and now we have four, five. So we're numbering them. They're called grandchildren. So I tell my, my two older sons, you need to keep numbering them, like more and more and more, Right? Honey. <laughs> okay. Night, what room is going to be? <laughs> Connection desk. <laughs> I think it's in the fellowship hall. And by the way, I, I it might be in here. It might be in here? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. You want to talk about that some more? Oh yeah, so tomorrow I am going to bring this visual that I have, that I've been doing for a few years now, of counting my days, and I think you'll really appreciate it. So that's just a little bit of another. Come on out, and and actually I'm not. I don't think I'm. I think that Trevor's going to be interviewing me the whole time, so I have no idea what he's going to ask me. But anyway, so let's pray and we'll 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 leave. No. Uh, would you stand? One Peter chapter three. We're gonna look at ceasing from sin. How many would you like to cease from sin? Okay, we're gonna talk about that. In One Peter chapter three and verse eighteen, we'll start there, and I hope you have your Bibles or your device. And then we're gonna go through chapter four and verse six this morning. So here we go. One Peter three eighteen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water there is also an antitype which now saves us baptism not the removal of the flesh of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward god Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation or, dis- or debauchery, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So uh, three weeks ago, I think it was, uh, I was doing the study and Psalm 71 fit it well. So we did a uh, responsive reading. Two weeks ago, there was another one that came up, so we did that one. And I'm not trying to plan this, but there's two this morning. That I want, and a few of you have told me how much you've loved that, and I love that too. So there's two this morning that line with ceasing from sin, and they're both written by David, and they both are around the David's horrible sin that he committed. So I want to do one to start responsive reading. I'll read the odd and the first and odd verses. You read the second, and I want as we're doing this, I hope that you'll be taking it in as you're reading it. Let the word of God and the truth therein, because David sinned horribly. This man, but he's a man after God's own heart. So the first one is Psalm 51. We'll close the study in Psalm 32. So here we go. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. O Lord, open my lips. My mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You. Let's all together. 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. David wrote this when he sinned against Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet came to him and he, conf- he repented right on the spot. So Lord, as we're looking at this whole area of sin, it's a serious issue. So serious, it, it had to be paid for with your son. So we bow our hearts, Lord, we bow our knees, we say, Lord, be merciful to us, forgive us of our sin, blot out our transgressions, and we know, Lord, that you accomplish that through your son, through the cross, death, burial, resurrection, and Lord, you offer that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So please, I pray, Lord, as we're going through this passage, you would bless the things I prepared, break them fresh, feed us, Lord, minister truth to us, and I ask in Jesus' name that you would cleanse us, wash us, renew us, restore to us the joy of our salvation, and particularly anyone that's watching who doesn't know you, our prayers to you, Lord, are draw them to yourself. We're all in need of a Savior. and We are praying for the salvation of souls, people turning to you in their sin and finding there a Savior who can forgive, cleanse, wash, justify. And Lord, we are so thankful that many of us, that's happened. So please, bless, I ask, this time that we have in the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So there are three things here that I'm not going to... Maybe on the board. uh, By the way, in this whole message this morning, there are so many scriptures that I would love to be going through. When we talk about ceasing from sin, we're talking about this whole need that we have to understand what happened at the cross, and then how do we deal as believers with sin... In our life, we want to talk about that. But here's the three things. We, to cease from sin, we must never cease coming to God. We must never cease arming our minds, and we must never cease saying, enough, enough. And I believe the Holy Spirit brings us through these, these points, that we, the things we go through in life, to bring us to the end of ourselves. Maybe we're experiencing consequences from the sin in our lives. And we realize it's not worth it. And God has given to us a means by which we can find power to overcome sin, to cease from sin. So a little story for you this week. I called my friend in New York. I don't do that very often. A friend that I grew up with in high school and then also in community college. His name is, his, his name is John Impelizare, but he was known as Impy. <laughs> So I called Impy up, and we just got to talking, and as we're reminiscing about these days in college, what he shared with me was something that, that I didn't know at all until I talked to him this week, but there's also things that he didn't know, and so as I'm, we're talking about this thing, at the thing that he's talking about, unbeknownst to him in this party that we're having, God's hand was heavy upon me. I was under such conviction from the Holy Spirit that I had to get right with God. My friends never knew that at that time, and John never told me this story. But as we're talking, and I shared a little bit about that, and, and, you know, we're we're out partying. We're doing what we always did, and at that point, I was not drinking anymore. I wasn't partying anymore, but I was still hanging out with my friends, and we would go to a bar, and, and we did, and John's watching me, and I wasn't drinking. And so he turned to all of my other friends and said, something happened to Kevin. It was that visible. Let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit's got a hold of you, you can't, you can't run, and I couldn't run. And so he said, something happened to Kevin. Now here's what happened. When I was 10 years old, I was born again by the Spirit of God. I loved the Lord. I knew I needed to repent of my sins. I knew that he died for my sins. This is a 10-year-old. And I loved the Lord. I wanted to walk with the Lord. I, I wanted to do everything I could to, to be faithful to God in that, at that time. And so I was baptized in April, I think it was the 22nd, 1962, three, I don't know. How much is 10 plus 53? <laughs> this is what happens when you have a birthday. <laughs> anyway, at that time, I was baptized And let me say this to you. God was there. Clear as anything in my whole life. God was real to me. And then slowly I faded away from my love for Jesus. I was living for myself in my little self-centered world. And as I look back, God was there too. He was there. And then, then something else happened. My family moved. So they moved from one town to the next I was in a new house, a new neighborhood, a new school. I didn't like that at the time, but there I was. And so what happened for me as a little young boy, 12-ish, I said, okay, I got another opportunity to live for God. And I did my best to please God. I, I did, and I tried. Got into high school. And once I was in high school, uh, sports and other things, I just really lost my, uh, my first love, if you will. So I started living sports and all those kinds of things. That's when I got involved with my friend's party and all that stuff. I kind of forgot God. And so I was walking, doing these things, no longer thinking about sinning against God, not under those kind of convictions, just blindly enjoying the passing pleasures of sin for a season. And by the way, sin is pleasurable. That's why it's tempting. So that season of life for me ended abruptly on a tennis court in Virginia, where the track was handed to me, and I knew I had to get right with God. It's amazing how God works. And so that was when, I, that was when my friend saw me not, not drinking. So this prodigal returned to his heavenly father. This sinner returned to his savior. And so for 45-plus years now, I have been living a perfectly sinless life. Not not even close. However, I can testify to you with God as my witness. He's been there the whole time. He's with us. He sees it. There's nothing hidden from him. My testimony is simply this. God is faithful. God is able. He can do it. He's given to us this thing called the Bible, which is a manual for how to live this life out in dealing with sin. We don't have, we don't have the time here. I got a zillion scriptures. But listen, I grew up in a Baptist church. I got saved. I loved the Lord, but I never had instruction to understand the battle that we are in as believers. There is a spiritual and a, a fleshly battle that's going on in our lives to get us to sin against God as believers. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but listen, we are in a battle. And unless we understand that, unless we can understand how it is we fight the fight of faith, The devil, the world, our flesh are going to trip us up over and over again and we are going to be walking around condemned. When Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit in life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. There's two laws working. I'm way ahead of myself, but I'm going to go with it. There's two laws working. There's the law of sin and death, and there's a the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets us free from the law of sin and death. So it's not that the law of sin and death is, an, is not operative. It's operative. But there's a higher law now. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, to hear what how God would direct us. And with all of that, even all of that, as we understand that, we we are still going to have a problem with sin. It's It's going to happen in this, because we live in sinful world. And I thank God, listen, I thank God that through the teaching of the word of God, I began to understand some of these things that I didn't have as a 10-year-old. I didn't understand these things. And so I hope that you'll be digging in, I would say, starting the book of Romans. If you're having trouble with sin and you're condemned and you're feeling like God said, you know, you've did that one too many times, I'm done. That is such a lie from the pit. If God were done over that, he would have never went to the cross for you. So I hope to encourage you to dig into the scriptures, particularly if you're battling with sin, maybe in some besetting sins in your life. Now, that's not to say that we don't need training, understanding to, to begin to help us to put it to, put to apply biblical principles to the things that we're dealing with. And there are many ways that that happens. But listen, you got to be centered on the word of God and what it says there. Do you know the book of Romans absolutely changed Martin Luther's life? It changed his life in how to understand the grace of God as as we're trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So I've learned that sin is deceitful. Satan is the deceiver, and my heart is desperately wicked. I've learned that. It's deceitful of all things, my heart, my thinking. I've learned there is no one who does not sin. 1 John, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him alive. So the first thing, and his words, the first thing we've got to understand, we all sin. We can't rename it. We can't repackage it. We can't justify it as something else. When God calls it sin, and we'll look a little bit at some of these things this morning, but ne- not nearly exhaust them, but sin is anything done outside the will of God. Sin is missing the mark. What's the mark? Look at the commandments. Those are the commandments. Now, I'm really getting off my track here, but we're going to go with it anyway. The the law was not given by God to make me, to justify me by keeping the law. The law was given so I would understand my need for God's forgiveness. So the law is like a mirror. James talks about that. Paul in Romans says the law is good and holy and just and good. The law of God is beautiful. Imagine how we would would be doing if we just lived by the Ten Commandments. It'd be wonderful. So understand that. God's not saying you better get that right this time. What God's saying is this is right, and now I want to teach you how to walk by faith, by the grace of God, under the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk this thing out. Now Jesus even made it a little more challenging because the law is not looking at your outward it's looking at your heart you've heard it's been said that you shall not commit adultery i say to you if you look at a woman to lust after her heart you already committed adultery and jesus said the law is looking at the heart who can see the heart god so i the lord search the hearts is what he said Psalm 139, you have searched me, know me, know my sitting down, my rising up, you understand my thought afar off, you comprehend my path, my lying down, acquainted with all my ways. God knows us so intimately, it's crazy. But then at the end of Psalm 139, it says, Thou search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, you know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me. Why? So that he can say, Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I say, You don't know that. That's why I'm showing. That's how much God loves us. The problem is sin. The issue is taken care of at the cross. And now God offers to us, if we confess our sins, if we acknowledge our sin, and we say we are sinners, that God has a remedy, God has a place for us to come with our sin and be forgiven. So I, I want to encourage everyone, myself included, there is a place where mercy reigns, it's at the cross at the cross. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And God loves you and cares about you. So sometimes this process of ceasing from sin necessitates God's chastening. Hebrews chapter 12. Do not despise the chastened Lord. For those who God loves, he chastens and scourges them. Sometimes it's really painful. Why? Because God doesn't love us? No, because he does love us. And he loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us He's not going to leave us in our sin. He's going to be working with us and working in us and chasing us, whatever it takes, because God knows the freedom that comes in obedience and obeying him. And he also knows the freedom he's provided at the cross in confessing our sins and cleansing them. So 1 John says that we confess our sins, but then in chapter 2 it says, if these things I write to you, 1 John 1, 2, 1, these things I write to you that you may not sin, Next word, he doesn't say but, he says and. And if anyone sins. Why? Because we all sin. He's writing things that you may not sin. Understand confession, forgiveness, cleansing, understand. And these things are right that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have what? An advocate. We have a defense attorney. We have a lawyer. Well, I don't know if that's... We have Jesus, (laughs) Who is the propitiation, pro, for, pit, hell, shun, action. He took action for us to save us from the pit. That's how I like to look at that. It's the substitute sacrifice. God is interested, but more than interested, he's invested in your life and ceasing from sin. How can you lose? Lose. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have him working who is for us, not against us. We have him interceding for us in prayers and our groanings. All for what purpose? Because there's no, there is therefore not no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus We do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the, life of the, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, should I slow down? <laughs> for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me what? Free from the law of sin and death. That's still operative. It's still there. You experience, I experience it. So, having been forgiven, this, this uh, passage in First John, it might throw you off a little bit, but I want to read it to clarify. First John chapter three, verse six: Whoever abides in Him does not sin. What? Whoever. Si- By the way, some of you have remember there was this doctrine rolling around about sinless perfection. There's a theological term for that. (laughs) Baloney. But here's it. hold on. Whoever abides him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. What? Little children, do not let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who practices and he, just he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. What? For the devil has sinned from the beginning. He is the source of all sin deceitfulness, lying, all of it. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of him, there is again, does not sin. What? For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he been born of God. Then we go to chapter uh, 2 and verse 1, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Actually, no, we're past that, aren't we? Yeah, chapter 5, verse 18, same thing. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. What's he saying? What he's, in the Greek, it's the continual present tense of the grammar. What he's saying is, as a believer, you cannot continue in a habitual, continual lifestyle of sinning against God. Why? His seed remains in him. We're born again. There's something that's happened now in relationship to God that changes everything. And so we can't keep going on in these lifestyles of sin. In other words, as one alive and empowered by the Spirit of God, the believer will be identifying sin, will be forsaking sin, and will be growing in sanctification and holiness. That's what we can expect, and that's what we desire. That God will do that for us. So Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Now, who are the unjust? Take a look around. We are justified by faith. We are justified before God, just as if we would never sinned. We are justified in standing with God through the, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, which was complete work to take care of the problem of sin, past, present, future. As a believer, this incredible gospel, this incredible thing that God's done. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Think about that. You have been saved who believed in Christ from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Death, separation from God, eternal damnation. I am be, being delivered from the power of sin. That's this life. You are being delivered from the power of sin in understanding some of the things that, we, that I've shared among many others. But get this. I will be saved from the very presence of sin. You will be saved from the very presence of sin. Yeah. That is as real as we are sitting here. One day it's going to be over. One day we will stand before God, before the lion and the lamb. We will bow before him and say, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. By your blood we've been redeemed from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made us kings and priests on the earth. This is what Jesus did. He accomplished the whole thing. And this sin and the devil and the world wants to get in there and mucky up everything. So we lose sight of God. We lose our love for God. We begin feeling, man, I've done that so many times. God must be done with me. And we're condemned and beat down. Know this. What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? When you're under the condemnation of the devil, it drives you from God. Oh. Oh. When you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you can't wait to get to God. Because he is the only one who can take care of my issues in sin. So, verses 19 through 22, I'm not going to read them, but this is what I I read a couple, uh, this this is a very difficult few verses. Here's what one of the commentators wrote, the Expositor's dictionary, or commentary. This section, okay, that's verses 19 through 22. This section contains some of the most difficult exegetical problems in the New Testament. Another one, this is Warren Wearsby. He said, a pastor was teaching a Bible study on Matthew 16, 18, explaining the many interpretations of our Lord's words to Peter. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Afterward, a woman said to him, Pastor, I'll bet if Jesus had known all the trouble these words would cause, he would have never said them. (laughs) I love that. Sometimes I go, probably would have been easier. Okay, he goes on. When Peter wrote this section of his letter, he had no idea that it would be clarified classified as one of the most difficult portions of the New Testament. Good and godly interpreters have wrestled with these verses, debated and disagreed, and have not always left behind a great deal of spiritual help, unquote. So I'm not going to try and solve these things, but what I want to do is give you three views that I think are of worthy consideration. There are probably other ones. So, number one, some believe that, this, that the pre-incarnate Christ, the Spirit of Christ, was, preaching, was being preached through Noah for 120 years. So while Noah's preaching, it's really Christ preaching. In other words, his preaching was coming judgment. Another view is that some believe that Christ proclaim, was proclaiming to the disobedient spirits, the fallen angelic realm, his complete victory over them. So he triumphed over them at the cross. So some believe that Christ proclaimed to the disobedient spirit, the spirits that are talked about here, his victory. So the proclamation that happened took place either during the three days he was in the heart of the earth or at his ascension. Position three, which for me seems to be, make the best sense of scripture. Some believe that between his death and resurrection, Jesus descended into Hades, And there, and by the way, Jesus himself said, as as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so will the Son of Man be three days, in in the belly belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Ephesians says he descended, and then he ascended. So there are scriptures that would would support that. In uh, Acts chapter 237, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, speaking about Christ, quoting from... uh, What psalm is it? I can't remember what psalm is it. It's 110, I believe. He said of Jesus, you will not allow your holy one to see corruption. You will not allow him to stay in Hades. Now, in Luke chapter... I want to say 16. But it's not here. So what do I do with that? It is 16. Okay. If you remember, Jesus told this story about the rich man and Lazarus. And he said... The rich man died, and then Lazarus died was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. And when, Je- when, when he's pulling back the curtain, I believe, I don't think it's a parable, I believe he's pulling back the curtain, the rich man who had died in his wealth and all that was on one side of Hades, and then uh, this beggar guy was on the other side called Abraham's bosom. And as Jesus is unveiling this, this uh, story, the rich man who died and was now tormented in Hades said, hey, can I dip, can I just give me some water, and let me dip my tongue, because I'm in torment. So there's a conscious awareness of, of torment. And he said, well, there's a great gulf between us, we can't, we can't bridge it, it's too late. He said, well, okay, if that's, if that's what's going on, would you just send someone back to tell my brothers that this place is real? And Jesus, Jesus' answer is interesting. He said, if they do not believe the Bible... Neither will they believe what God has declared. Neither will they believe, though someone rise from the dead. So the picture there is of these two compartments, if you will, in Hades. I believe that Jesus, I believe it's got a lot of merit, that Jesus, when he died, Ephesians, he, he, he who ascended is also the first one who descended the lower parts of the earth, that Jesus descended there because before the cross, there was no access to heaven. So Jesus went down, to, emptied out Abraham's bosom, those who died in faith, not having received the promise. And then he led captivity captive. He led them to heaven with himself. Now there's access through him. There's a really fascinating couple of verses where it says that when Jesus rose from the dead, graves opened up. Do, 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 do. And people who died and were buried were seen walking the streets. Yeah. Listen, that was just a few. We're going to see millions and millions and millions. Yes, they were buried, but for the believer, that ain't nothing. When this tent is dissolved, Paul to the Corinthians said, I have a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And for this, he said, we grow. We grow. So, those are some, some uh, possible positions. Are we good? Here we go. Therefore, verse one, chapter 4, verse 1 Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. To cease from sin is not easy, it is not pleasant. It is not natural. It is painful. It's a full-on war that we are in. Why? Because of this thing called the flesh. The flesh is everything of our fallen, corrupt nature that is aligned against the will of God. Do you find yourself battling like you never did before you knew Jesus? It's almost like sometimes you say, this isn't fair. The reason that is is because now you're alive. You're alive to the spirit. I'm alive to the spirit. I understand what sin is. I understand the need that I need to re- that I have to repent and receive. I get that now. And so life gets a little more difficult, a little more painful. To fight sin is a battle, it's a war. No matter how long we've been saved, no matter how long we, much we've grown, we will always be fighting against the flesh. It never changes. The flesh cannot be renewed, renovated, repaired, restored, revamped, or remodeled. It needs to be killed. You may dress it the flesh. You may dress it up, doll it up, or decorate it up. But it's still the flesh. A pig is still a pig. The flesh by any other name is still the flesh. And we need to identify that as God identifies it. Romans, Paul said in Romans seven eighteen, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. We have this fallen nature that until we are redeemed, until we're out of this body of death, we are going to be battling the flesh. God's sentence to it is, Put it to death, put it off, lay it down. Here's what I find: the flesh will do anything it can to survive. Survival mode. Galatians five. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you want to do. You get the battle? You want to, we've been renewed. We have a new mind, a new spirit. We have a desire in our hearts because we're of the seed of God. We have, we have that. It's there. That's not missing. Here's what many times is missing. Understanding what we're battling. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So if you're led by the spirit, the question is, are you led by the spirit? If so, here's what happens. Here's the things that will be ceasing. The works of the flesh are evident, which are, can we, yeah. listen, which are, these are clear, they're evident, they're clear. Don't sanitize them. Don't try and rename them. Don't try and justify these things. Let's call sin what it is. Let's call the flesh what it is and what it does. What are they? This is one of the ugly lists, and there are many of them, adultery. That's sexual relationship outside of your marriage. And marriage. Fornication, that's sexual activity outside of marriage. Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not going to continue. These things are going to be ended. Enough! And I think the Holy Spirit would say that to enough. Let's get this dealt with. It's not, what he's saying here is there's a place that we can go because of the flesh, we must go and find there God's solution. It's repentance. It's stopping it. It's saying enough. But if that's gonna happen, first of all, we gotta come to God. Second, we need to have our minds right about it. What does the Bible say about these things? And not try and excuse it, not try and justify it, not, not be victimized. So the flesh is incredibly astute at getting around sin. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's love. Which is joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit means it's relationship that my life will begin to bear fruit as I abide in Christ. And Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither can you unless you abide in me. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do what? Nothing. Now, I don't know about you. I've tried to disprove that verse how many times? I can do it. I can do it. Well, you go back in these verses and you realize, if this is what God did for us concerning sin, which we could contribute nothing to it, you and I did nothing to take care of our sin, our sin problem, God did it all. So why do we think that we can now do it without God? Somehow win this thing without God, without the Holy Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, and those who are Christ have listen crucified the flesh with what? It's of passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envy one another. In other words, it's not about us. It's not about my sort of, you know, we're we're good at assessing other people's sins, aren't we? (laughs) My heart. Is there fruit? I'm living in the spirit, am I walking in the spirit, if then there's going to be fruit? And it's defined. It's a spiritual battle for the control of our minds. What's going on up here? How am I thinking? The fruit of the Spirit is love. I want to get to a passage that I think I have in here. Here it is. Galatians chapter 5. Walk in the Spirit. You not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. We talked about that. The works of the flesh are these. Well, let me, I'm sorry. I've got more here than I know what to do with. And I don't know where it is, but I think I can pull it up. Maybe I can't. I'll be 68 tomorrow. I can't just pull it up anymore. (laughs) My title here is, We Are in a Spiritual Battle for Our Minds. 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Where does it go from there? 2 Corinthians 10, pulling down strongholds. Casting down, what? Imaginations. That's my mind. And every high thing that is also against, what? The knowledge of God. That's my mind. And bringing the captivity, every thought into captivity. My thought, my mind. What? What's the goal? To obedience. 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 What's God said about this? Do I need to repent? Is there something I need to say that's sin? Now, in Romans chapter 7. Paul says, I know that in me, my flesh, no good thing dwells. And then he starts talking about the good that I will to do. I do not do the things I hate that I'm doing. What's my problem? What's going on here? And we all know that battle. He says, with my mind, I serve the law of God. With my flesh, the law of sin. So Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? He said, I'm a wretched man. He could look honestly at himself, his mind, his heart and say, you know what? There's something wrong going on here. There's something that's battling me all along the way. I want to do what's right. I don't do it. The things I hate that I'm doing, the things I want to do, I'm not doing. What's going on here? Let me say what, tell you, Berger, there's a battle going on for your soul, for, for your mind, for your heart, for you doing God's will. There's going to be a constant friction from your flesh. And we need to bring those things into captivity. Say, enough. And the thoughts that I'm thinking into captivity, that I'll obey God. And not justify these things that there is no justification for. We war against these things. Our spiritual battle is for the control of not only our minds, but then through our minds, our wills. So Paul told the Corinthians, cleanse ourselves from all Filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting ourselves in the fear of God. So this whole idea of ceasing from sin, if we would cease from sin, we never must never cease coming to God. We must never cease arming our minds. We must never cease saying, enough is enough. So when Paul is talking to the Corinthians, to the Romans, he says, I'm a wretched man, who will deliver me? That's the answer. When we go through these battles, he said, all of a sudden, he's looking inside himself. And by the way, I think self introspection is going to only create more problems. We look in ourselves, we have this nature, and that's usually what we start focusing on. If we can get our eyes on Jesus, and maybe we're looking, but we get our eyes on the Lord, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher, if we can get our eyes on Jesus, then all these things begin to come into the light of how God sees and what God's doing. And Paul said, Oh, he said, Oh, wretched man, i Who will deliver me? He's turned and now looking in the right direction. Who will deliver you from your sin? Who will grant you repentance and forgiveness for your sin? It has to be God. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, it's there for us to partake of whether it's once a day or a hundred times a day, to turn to him. Who did him. I thank God through Jesus Christ. So then, with my mind, I serve the law of the Spirit, with my flesh, the law of sin. The two laws that we started out with that are battling each other. I'm sorry I'm jumping around here, but that's just what happened. To cease from sin is not pleasant, painful. But listen, love demands it. Because sin is the opposite of love. So look at what sin caused. Death and separation from God. Look at what sin cost Jesus, the cross. Look at what sin, when sown, Always reaps corruption. Look at what always, what sin always causes. We could go on and on and on. Destruction. Devastation. Misery. Loneliness. Isolation. And just go on and on. That's what causes it. That's what's going on. There's no one who does not sin. No, but there's not one person who can't be forgiven. And I want to close with this, you know, saying this, this uh, psalm. But I want to say again, if I can, with all my heart, I believe the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. There's a place where we can go with our sin. It's the cross, where mercy flows, where God Himself went to a cross to pay the penalty. Where God himself saved us from the penalty of sin and then filled us with his Holy Spirit so we can walk in power over sin. It's not perfect. It never will be. But listen, it's progressing. We're being sanctified. I'm not who I was, but I'm I'm glad I'm not who I was, but however that goes, God's working in your life and in my life. And it seems to me, and I think I have it dead on right or alive on right, We have to continue to come back to the cross. We have to. Because Christ died once for sins that he might bring us to God. It started there, and it continues to be that place that we need to find ourselves at the cross. So I want to encourage you I don't know where you're at, what's going on in your life. We all sin, we all have besetting sins, we all have problems. But as we sing this last song at the cross, I'm going to ask each and every one of us just to say, God, search my heart. And maybe there are things, and you just have to do this by faith maybe. God, forgive me. I, I, I identified it. I'm calling it what you call it. But I'm asking you now, cleanse and forgive me. And if you're watching or you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, that's where you have to start with the gospel. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we will pray for you as you come before God with your sin and you confess that you need a forgiveness from God, not anyone else, from God. And as you do that, as you believe the gospel, you will be saved from your sin. You will be being saved from the power of sin and one day you will be saved from the very presence of it. Why? Because I said it? No, God said it. God's going to do that for you. If that's you, and as we're standing to, to sing this song, to, to say these, this uh, psalm and then sing this song, when we go to sing that song, if that's you, would you just come forward and we'll pray with you? Because it's the most important decision you will ever make. Amen? So would you stand as we read? I want to read Psalm 32. David's the man after god's own heart he knew the healing power of god from the most heinous heinous how we say it, heinous behavior david was an adulterer a deceiver a murderer and a coward but when he found out he simply acknowledged his sin against god and god forgave him now he had to live with many very painful consequences Were he able to go back and do it again? I think he would have done it differently. I'm going to ask you a question, which I know the answer. There are so many areas, times in my life where if I could go back, I'd do it different. How about you? We can't go back. God wants to take us forward. And thus, we need to come to that place of repentance, acknowledging it, and then we receive the mercy And the grace where we can continue to to follow Him, and He can then by His grace help us as we are healed. As you see the consequence in those things, that's not so. As as we're just uh, going through this, I want you to. I'm hoping that you'll just read it, thinking about it, and then we'll go to this song. And if you want to come up for salvation, please do that. Otherwise, just in our hearts, let's ask the Lord to help us. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute in his wickedness, and his spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah, which means think about it. That's mine. That I, but I love that verse. You are my hiding place. Love it. We need to hide out. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. eyes. Do not be like the horse or like the mule. Which having no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. All together. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Can I just do that one song? I did this first service, and I want to do it again. Some of you know it, so you've got to help me out. Create.